Good morning. Uh, I'm Jenna. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I am one of the pastors here at the Vineyard. Uh, and today we are working our way through a couple more parables of Jesus. Uh, yeah. So we are in a series on the parables with the understanding that we draw life from something, right? And Jesus invites us to draw our life from him. Uh, he is the vine, we are the branches. The parables of Jesus teach us, or that are recorded in the Gospels, which are Matt, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they help us give, give us an understanding of how to draw life from that vine. Uh, we are also finding that the parables are less about us and, and how we fit and more about God and his character, who longs to have a relationship with us, and Jesus shows us exactly how to do that. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today all that we need. Would you forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I started with that prayer, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, uh, because it actually sits in Scripture in the book of Luke right before our first parable today. Uh, and Jesus uses it to teach his disciples how to pray. And so our first parable today is just a continuation of that prayer as Jesus continues to teach. Uh, so we're going to start in Luke 11, 5 through 8. It says this, Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I cannot help you. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Shameless persistence, which is what we need to know about prayer. So there's a couple things that I just want to draw out in this parable right quick. The first is, it would have been incredibly common for this to happen in the ancient Near East, in that when people traveled, they traveled by foot, and they traveled at night because it was hot in the daytime. And so it wouldn't be strange for someone to come knock at your door in the middle of the night. And so Jesus is saying, uh, even you who would stay in bed if your friend was knocking will eventually get up if they keep knocking. Uh, it also is drawing out that if you are the knocker and you have something that you need that you do not have, this, this story says that, they were, that he needed three loaves of bread 
And so he came and knocked and asked for, for what he needed. God's saying, ask, ask for the things that you need. Uh, and then lastly, God points out that this, this person uh, that is in bed with his children and sleeping uh, will not come to the door for friendship's sake, uh, but he will come to the door because of the relentless knocking. And Jesus says, says, even someone who doesn't like you will eventually come to the door. Uh, and so then in Luke 11, as the parable continues on, 9 through 13 says this, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? I just, let's pause. I don't, that's just a great example. <laughs> like an egg and a scorpion who puts the two together. Anyway, of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so what we're seeing now is the character of God being revealed. Basically, he's saying, even the friend who won't answer the door will answer the door. And even the people that give weird and strange gifts, that, that Jesus will give good gifts and Jesus will answer the door. You don't have to knock persistently. And so what we're seeing here is a little bit of a juxtaposition of character between who we are and how we might respond to certain situations and how much how much more good the Father is, how much more willing Jesus is to not only answer the door when we knock, uh, but to give good gifts. Because even if us, in our sinful nature, in our carelessness, will still eventually give what is asked for or what is needed, how much more will the Father do so when we ask? Uh, God's character is that he desires to give good gifts. Uh, he desires to answer prayer. And he desires to answer the door. And so as we look at this parable, we see our humanness. We see how uh, we might expect God to react because of maybe how we were parented or how we would expect our own father to react. And God is changing that. Uh, that image, that way we might see him and saying, no, I am good. I will answer when you knock. And when you ask for something, I will give you what you need. Uh, the, the piece of that scripture that I like the most is this, if you sinful people know how to give, how much more would your father give when you are asked? Uh, so let's flip the story a little bit here for a moment, and I'm going to jump, so all of this scripture is in Luke, we're going to jump to Revelation, and I just want you to see uh, what Jesus says about his character in Revelation. So we're in Revelation 3, verses 20 through 21, and Jesus 
the image is, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. All right, hang on. So Jesus's character, God's character, is persistent and he wants to come in. So if we look at God's character as the one who knocks, uh, he will stand at the door and he will knock as long as it takes. But he does not come in until he's invited. God is a gentleman. And so if we flip the story and look at us from the other perspective of we are the ones to answer the door, we have to consider how, uh, how much do we want the relationship with Jesus to be one where we come straight to the door, let him in and join us for a meal, or are we the one who would like to stay in bed and keep the door locked for the evening because it's inconvenient? And so as we kind of jump into prayer and we look at prayer today, uh, we're just going to keep juxtapositioning these two images to understand relationship with Jesus, which is ultimately what prayer is. Uh, when we say the word prayer, I think people can think that they, you know, it's a certain way they have to do it or a certain way you have to communicate with God and, you know, you have to use certain Christian words and that couldn't be further from true. All that prayer is, is honest communication with God uh, in whatever way we want to come to that relationship. Ultimately, prayer is the crux of relationship with God and it's something that God deeply desires and will do for us if we just ask. Uh, most of the time when I'm talking to people about prayer, uh, this image comes to mind, where we have this idea that prayer is just this thing we do. We ask, and it's just circular, and we ask again, and we ask again, and we can get persistent, but it feels like we're not going anywhere. It's just circular, and eventually we get annoyed, or we get tired, or we forget about the circle of prayer, and we stop asking. Uh, but what I want to invite you to consider today is that prayer actually looks very different if you just consider it relationally. And that is, if you start drawing your circle sideways, you'll notice that as you pray and you ask, it's actually moving. It's drawing you closer. Like we just sang in the song, it's like incense rising. And so as we pray, as we ask, there's two things that are happening. One, there's relationship between you and the Father that's growing, that's incrementally increasing and moving towards him, even though sometimes it, it's so small that we don't feel it in the natural. If you look at it over three years, five years, 10 years, you'll start to notice that the prayers that you were praying did work. One, they helped you relate to God, they kept you connected to God, but two, they transformed you. Um, because what I believe is there are no unanswered prayers, that every prayer is answered. We just don't always understand how, and it isn't necessarily answered in the way that we desire it to be answered. But the longer that we pray, God does one of two things. 
One, he answers the prayer in his timing, or he changes our hearts towards the thing that we're praying for. And that's something that God does. As we're working through these parables, we're noticing how God is, is kind of the center of the story. All that we're invited to do is come to the table, to come to the prayer, to come to the relationship. And God is the one who answers the prayer or changes us so that we are praying the same thing that he is praying, so that we have the same idea that he has as we move closer and closer in relationship. Uh, <clears throat> there's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by a gentleman named Pete Scacero. And he talks about relationship with Jesus and prayer in this way. He talks about it as growing in maturity, emotional maturity specifically, but ultimately uh, a spiritual maturity that comes alongside because it's very hard to become spiritually mature when we are emotionally immature. As we grow emotionally, typically our spirituality will come right alongside of it. And so he has these descriptions of emotional maturity. Uh, I would also call this the fancy word of sanctification. He says that an emotional infant uh, would describe themselves as this. I sometimes experience God at church and when I am with other Christians, but rarely when I am at work or home. Uh, the second uh, stage is the child. Uh, my prayer life is primarily talking to God, telling him what to do and how to fix my problems. But prayer is more of a duty than a delight. Uh, the third stage is an emotional adolescent or a spiritual adolescent, and it says, my Christian life is still primarily about doing things for God, not being with God. Prayer continues to be mostly me asking with little silence, solitude, or listening to him. And then the adult stage is I am able to integrate doing for God and being with God. My Christian life has moved beyond simply serving Christ to loving him, relating with him, and enjoying tangible relationship with him. Uh, the emotionally healthy adult, the spiritually healthy adult, answers the door when Jesus knocks and he invites him in for a meal. He's excited to be with Jesus and to be with him however Jesus would come. Uh, the stages prior to that, I would say, are the folks that remain in bed for various amounts of time, right? The emotional infant's just gonna stay in bed and never unlock the door and, and it moves from there. Prayer is ultimately what develops a vibrant relationship with God. And there are many ways to pray or communicate or relate with God. And the Bible teaches us to orient our lives to rhythms that keep us firmly attached to the vine. Firmly with Jesus at our center. So I want to talk a little bit about how the Bible tells us to learn to pray. Uh, and there are, there are rhythms that the Bible invites us into that literally will, will keep our circles moving towards 
Jesus and, and closing the gap of relationship that sometimes we can feel. Uh, there are kind of several main ones. There's lots and lots of rhythms that you can participate in, but there's several main ones where scripture tells us, if you do these things, it will orient your life towards God. First one is to consume scripture. Sounds easy enough. Very few people do it. But it is the thing that feeds us. It is the thing that helps us know what, God, what God's character is. Uh, the songs that we sing come from scripture so that we would better know who God is. Uh, the second one is to commune in worship. <laughs> so if you are sitting here in a chair today, well done. Uh, you are working uh, to do something that is going to help your relationship with God. It's going to help you be with Jesus simply by coming and joining with other Christians in worship, listening to, listening to a word, uh, giving yourself time to pray or respond to what is taught, and to praise Jesus communally. When we do this as a rhythm, Jesus becomes more centered in our lives. Another thing the Bible tells us to do in order to relate, to be with Jesus, is to regularly find time to be quiet and reflect. Meaning we will sit with God as we are, come as we are, uh, and just be uh, and quiet ourselves, maybe not with all the petitions, not with all the asking, not with all the needs, but saying, Jesus, I'm here and listening. Uh, learning to be quiet <coughs> uh, and just be is a skill that uh, is, is needed for our spiritual life and isn't something that culturally Americans do very well, especially now that we have phones in our pockets. We have stopped being bored we have stopped having any kind of silent time. And so if you just follow your default, you will not be quiet. You will not have silence. You will not spend time alone just asking God to be with you. And so it's a rhythm that you actually have to engage in and actually have to think about. I keep saying you. I should be saying we. I need to do these things too. Uh, another rhythm is Sabbath, taking a day of rest. Uh, Sabbath fights shame. It makes you say, I've, I am enough, I have done enough, God is enough, and I will rest in that. And the Bible invites us to take a regular rhythm of taking a break. And in a culture that is consumed by progress and, and uh, continually striving, it's very countercultural to take a Sabbath, but it's one of the best things that we can do for our relationship with Jesus and for our relationship with those that we participate in community with. To slow down and just be present and with God and others. Uh, the Bible also tells us that listening prayer, <coughs> sorry, I think I have sawdust in my throat. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, cultivating a, a, a practice of, of uh, 
listening prayer, um, which is ba basically another word for that is meditation, to, to come still to the presence of God and uh, let everything else fall away is something that scripture tells us is relational. And lastly, uh, generosity is actually relational because it's something that we can talk to God about. It's something that we can pray about as in we get to give. Father, you have given me uh, time, energy, money, skill. What would you like me to do with that? And the beautiful thing about connecting prayer to your generosity is it narrows your focus, keeps you doing the things that you are meant to be doing, keeps you pouring out the gifts that you actually have, and helps you eliminate the things that you're not actually supposed to be doing so that you're free to be actually operating in who you were created to operate as instead of doing all the things. <coughs> so if we go back to these uh, emotionally healthy uh, infant, child, adolescent, adult, one of the biggest transitions between adolescent and adult is that in your doing for Jesus, you're confident in doing the things that he's actually asking you to do and saying no to the things that you aren't meant to be doing or the things that maybe you feel out of anxiety you should be doing. And it frees you to operate as the Father has asked you to operate. Uh, it helps you to slow down. It helps you to, to find rhythms where God is at the center of your life. And it's what frees you into real relationship with God because you are focused on the things that you are meant to do. And you trust God that all the other things will be done by others because they are doing what God has asked them to do. So I share all of this <coughs> about the emotionally healthy spirituality and the, and the rhythms with a little bit of a shameless plug in that this is the discipleship courses that we at the Vineyard try to offer and steep you in. And it's our job to try to help you learn these things uh, so that you can have a vibrant relationship with Jesus and you're not dependent on us to do them. And the way that we do that is we have a discipleship series. It starts with a course called Alpha, uh, which is for uh, just basic nuts and bolts of belief. You can even take that course if you don't believe, and it will give you the basic understanding of what Christianity is, who Jesus was and is, why he died, what the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and how we are to operate in that. So it gives this beautiful foundation. Then this, and then we teach that course typically in the fall and the winter small groups. Uh, then in the spring and summer, we offer a course called Life in the Spirit, which is literally learning to do these rhythms. The six rhythms I shared with you are the ones we cover in that class, which is scripture, worship, solitude, Sabbath, silence, and generosity. And if you'll notice of those six, three of them are individual rhythms, ones you do yourself, which is the scripture reading, self-reflection, and silence. And three are corporate, worship, Sabbath, and generosity. Because corporate, cor corporate 
uh, rhythms are actually what sanctify us. Rubbing up against other Christians, learning how to operate in community is one of the things that allows us to grow in our relationship with Christ and it allows us to, to start finding who it is that we were created to do. It's very hard to uh, learn about who you are and why you, why you function the way you do without the inputs of community. Because left to our own devices, we will create whoever we want for ourselves. And so it's helpful to have rhythms with community like we are doing here today in order to grow our relationship with God, to grow in understanding of prayer. Uh, the other thing, and then the third class in our discipleship series is uh, doing the stuff. So taking what you learn in prayer, taking what you, what you learn in gaining a relationship with Jesus, and then doing what the Father's asking you to do, how to actually pray for people, how to actually do power evangelism, how to actually be in your context in the world, and and showing the love of Jesus in tangible ways. And so that is our discipleship series, and, and we do it on purpose so that this body of believers would be equipped to do these things, that you would have a vibrant relationship with Jesus in order to change the world. Uh, we try to get out of the way as, as pastors or as the people that facilitate this in, in helping you just foster your relationship with Jesus because that ultimately will carry you much further than we could ever carry you just by preaching at you on a Sunday morning. Uh, the other part of our discipleship series is this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, material by Pete Scacero is a class we offer. Uh, and it's just incredibly helpful in becoming more aware of who you are, why you do what you do, and where you're stuck. And so that one is offered almost every small group, and there's an extension of that called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And so that is just something that we do purposefully here at the Vineyard in order to keep us moving, keep us growing, keep our little wheel rising. May our incense rise. <coughs> All right. I'm gonna skip a section. All right, so how do we actually pray? Uh, I'm going to invite you, if you've never heard this before, uh, cool, many of you probably have, but how we pray is uh, P-R-A-Y, spell the word pray. <coughs> and it comes in, in, in these ways. The first thing you do is pause, P, pause. Uh, this is to become present. Uh, this is to, most of us in our, in our life, we will either live in forward thinking or uh, past thinking. That's where we will default. And so the first thing you want to do when you want to pray is just become present to the reality that God is with you here and now, and in the present is where he operates. And so we pause, we become still, and we lean towards listening. Second thing to do when you are praying is to R, rejoice. I use the word re rejoice because uh, at, even as the Lord's Prayer invites us, 
the first thing we want to do is kind of lift the Lord up for all that he has done. Uh, the rejoice step is just simply saying, thank you, God, specifically. Reflect on what, where God is showing up for you uh, in your needs, in the ways that you're offering and being offered forgiveness, in the ways that you're battling temptation, in the ways that you are needing deliverance. It's give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? We come to the Lord and we rejoice in what he has done. Another way to think of this is you are reflecting on all that the Lord has done and the goodness that is there. And we just let that rise. Uh, if you have nothing to rejoice in, if you cannot think of a thing to be thankful for, I would invite you to consider uh, that uh, maybe you're not living in the present very easily, that you're so focused on future thinking or past thinking that everything's getting muddled and there's no reason to rejoice. But if you become present to the moment, even if it's as simple as, Lord, thank you that the sun is shining today, right now in this moment, you'll start to find things to be thankful for if you just kind of come into what is actually around you, what is actually happening in the moment. Uh, the third thing to do when we pray is simply ask. God wants us to ask for what we need. Sometimes as Christians, I think we think we, we can't ask or we shouldn't keep asking. But my invitation to you is ask for what you need and the Lord will either give it or the Lord will help you see what he is doing and change your heart towards it. And so ask and ask again and ask again. And don't feel like it's fruitless, right? Remember that it's moving you towards your relationship with God. It's keeping you close. And so don't stop. Keep asking. And don't be afraid to ask for what you need, whether it's large or small. I hear people say all the time, well, I don't want to ask for that because there's so many people that need much greater things than, than I'm asking for. And my invitation would be to consider that God can do it all. There is no limit to his resources. There is no limit to the way that he loves. And so we should ask for the things that we need, ask for the things that we want. And then the last piece of pray is why? Yield. So we pause, we rejoice, we ask, and then we yield. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And one of the things that I want you to consider with that phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that God teaches us to pray, Lord, would you bring here to this place, what is whole in heaven, what is restored in heaven, what is healed in heaven, would you break it in here and bring it here? And that's how he teaches us to pray, that we would bring his full restoration that exists now in heaven to earth with us, that we would ask for it, and that then we would yield because his ways are higher than our ways. And so we are to boldly ask for heaven to break into earth now. 
Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, but then we yield to his will and whatever it is that he's doing, knowing that we don't understand the full picture. P-R-A-Y, that's how we do it. My hope for today was just to encourage and say, pray, 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 pray. Uh, and give you a little bit of tools on how God wants us to do it by what he says in his word. Uh, as we move back into worship, I'd invite Jess to come up, uh, ministry team to come up. <coughs> and uh, we're just going to do exactly together what I just did. We are going to P-R-A-Y our way back into worship. Would you stand with me if you're able? So the ministry team is here, the floor is open, which simply means if you want some help in your P-R-A-Y, uh, they would love to be with you and to help you. And so come forward at any point here in worship as we, as we respond. Uh, and now I invite you just to pause, become present. Jesus, would you gather our scattered senses upon your presence now. And Lord, we take a moment to rejoice. You are good. And we take a moment to just think about all the ways that you have been good here and now. Come Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask honestly and boldly, for what we need. And lastly, we yield. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We acknowledge that you are good, that you will come when we knock, We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.